I love your music. I'm rolling. Your voice is music to me. Epic. Guys, welcome. Hey. It's been a couple weeks. We're all here. And guess who else is here? Cody's here. here. Hey, hey, hey. Cody, use that that full voice that you have because you're at full health right now. How do you feel, Cody? Full, full health right now. I've been nursing a sweet sinus infection for like a week and a half. Yikes. Bronchitis. Sounds like the best. Oh, yeah. We're living the dream. One nightmare at a time. (laughs) It is currently November 2nd. Good use of two days, calendar. Two days after All Hallows Eve. How was everyone's Halloween? Did they do anything fun? Um, I had this kid come by. Uh, one of the first kids who was trick-or-treating, it was like this big group of like eight kids, about eight, six or eight, you know, six to eight years old. And the very first kid just claws the bowl, puts it in his thing, goes back. Back and I'm like, no, dude, no. I, I like stopped him. I was like, no, leave did some for the other kids. Him? I did physically smack a child. Yeah. his parents were it. down you know the street. What? They were drinking. They didn't see anything. Book them, boys. Get uh, up. But, the, but there was a girl behind her who took like one cup, oh. like one Reese's cup, and I was like, no, you can take more. This kid's a jerk. I always, I, I like to hand the word hand out. That. There are a lot of trick or treaters at our house, yeah. and the like. The first ones, Lexi went up and she had the bowl. They're like, "How many can we have?" Yeah, and like we're saying, we'll give two each. Yeah, so Lexi gave them two, and I'm like, when they ask and they're that polite, they get five. Yeah. Yeah, like, nice. their kid's gonna not yeah. ask, ask nice like that. I'm giving them like you can have as much as you want, kid. Dude, I know exactly what kind of kid. Just, yeah, like t- just goes back for seconds. Get out of here. No, that's you bad. Spoil brat. That's anyway, bad. Yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't like. It. I, saw, I don't know obesity. what the most popular costume was for you, but I saw quite like probably four or five Spider Mans. Okay, uh, I, that saw, makes sense. I saw a hollow Hollow's night or Hollow night. Oh, hello, hello, hello night. No, that's not it. Hollow Queen. Hello, do, you, do you know Hollow <laughs> night? <laughs> Hollow Knight? Yeah, Hollow Knight. Like it's the like video hollow, game? Yeah. Hollow, yeah, yeah, yeah. hollow Knight. Yeah, yeah, He I'm had like the whole mask oh, and cool. like the needle and... That's a yeah. fun costume. And then next to him was like... I, I, is it is it Howl's Moving Castle or Spirited Howl's. Away? Where it's like this big like dark head with a white mask. Spirited Away. Spirited, Spirited Away. away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there was a kid dressed up like oh, that. Oh, we didn't go and see and that. And I was like, oh, this shoot. is such a good combo. Oh, yeah. When it was playing. Shoot. Wait for Boy and the Heron. Oh, yeah. It was Monday, wasn't it? Yeah. We need to watch Man. some Ghibli dude when they're there because yeah. that's epic. That'd be a lot of fun. I only saw Princess Mononoke when I was there. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, that was that was my Halloween. Did anyone else have any? I was feeling sick oh, on Halloween, so no, I left work and got into bed at six thirty okay. and, and just went to bed. No way! I that's was sick. Just, I was feeling so. You went to bed even at like 6:30? throughout like the whole weekend. I like wasn't feeling well. And I think Tuesday was like the culmination of my wow. sickness. Jeez! And I woke up Wednesday and I felt great. Wow! But I so I just I uh, just went to bed at six thirty. <laughs> shut the, the, shut the porch light off. You did. I was like, oh god! It's a good Halloween. Nobody yeah. ring that doorbell. That's yeah. spooky. Nothing as spooky as sickness. Dude, there were only like two lights on on our street. <laughs> yeah. Like it, our street was dark. Nobody wanted trick or treaters. It was. I don't get it. I feel like when I was a kid, everyone trick or treated. Yeah. But it, it had just snowed. Trunk or treat has taken over, and I am not for it. No, yeah. not either. Get rid of your harvest parties. Get rid of your trunk or treats. Take your kids and go in your neighborhood. Get rid of it's your the, safe the, environment. The house I the the town I grew up in 
it wasn't like oh let's go, let's go to this neighborhood the whole town it was just it was it's the town was one square mile so <laughs> you go to every house but i hope some rando is listening in and hoping for a terrence davies episode and they're like what the heck is going on right now <laughs> this well, intro is a, long that's a great segue um <laughs> i just wanted to catch up with you fellas oh thanks <laughs> thanks Joe. um now that yeah. we don't talk yeah Oh, <laughs> you saying that, I don't know what you are referencing, but I've been listening to the new Kylie Minogue. So album. good. It's so fun. I just want to dance every time I put it on. Yeah, it's great. Um, but it's weird. Uh, earlier this month <laughs> or earlier in October, um, the great director, Terrence Davies, passed away. He did. And so we thought it'd be um, cool to honor his legacy by mm-hmm. choosing four of his films. I have not seen any of his movies. Um, a couple of them are yeah, in my right. watch list. So I thought, you know what? Let's choose the one that's in my watch list. Which is... Which is... <laughs> I even forget what year it's from. Uh, <laughs> but it is A Quiet Passion. Yes! Ooh. Like 2014, 15, 2014, 16, somewhere yeah. in there. Uh, a Quiet okay. Passion. Uh I know slightly what it's about, but I think we should just watch it. I saw this in the theater with my mom. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, well, I, we'll saw, you, I saw you have a, a good, idea, a good review on I it. I love this. It's probably my favorite, second favorite Terrence Davies movie. A few people I follow on Letterboxd have watched it, and it has very high reviews. Yeah. So. It um, may speak to you, it may not, but it speaks to me. I have no idea what to expect. Yeah. yeah, if you haven't seen one of his movies, you probably don't know what to expect. Is yeah. he I be love my, his style so is, much. Is he going to be my f- second favorite Terrence? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Terrence Howard. No, oh, Terrence Matt. Howard. <laughs> you love How's Iron Man 1. Terrence Stamp. <laughs> Iron Man 1 rules. <laughs> Terrence and the Tendersons. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's on Apple TV. Let's go watch it. I think it's on like Amazon or Canopy. We'll, we'll, we'll get it. Do you not have your Apple TV? No, I brought it. Oh, okay. I brought it. Yeah, it, it's, it is available on just Apple TV for free. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Sweet. We'll do it. We'll do it. Cool. Let's do it. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye. We're yes. recording. All right, oh we boy. just finished the first of our Terrence Davies picks. Before we jump into the movie A Quiet Passion, why don't I have Jared, who is most familiar, um, because none of us are familiar at all with Terrence Davies. Could you give us a little rundown hey, of, of Sir hey, Terrence? Hey, guys, Terrence Davies, super fan here. I'm going to give you a little rundown of Terrence Davies because he is perhaps... If not the greatest, one of probably the top couple greatest British directors of all time. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, because he makes great films. It's that simple. Um, so he's kind of <laughs> started his career in the early or late 70s, early 80s. He had three short films that were um, kind of from where he was from, Liverpool. Uh, one's called Children. I forget what the other two are called, but they're all kind of... Not quite kitchen sinky. They're a little dreamy. Um, mm-hmm. And it got major notoriety in the UK for it. Uh, fast forward to the mid-80s. One thing you'll see about Terrence Davies throughout his career, always ready to go with the movie, never getting financing for anything. So you'll see a gap of like five to ten years between most of his movies for when they're made. Oh, wow. But he comes out swinging with his first feature film. It's called Distant Voices Still Lives. It's kind of a tableau of uh, where he's from in Liverpool. A lot of like just people singing songs in pubs is kind of 
<laughs> how I would describe that movie. That is how the UK is, though. It's amazing. It sounds pretty phenomenal. And he follows that up with The Long Day Closes, which is kind of autobiographical about him growing up in Liverpool as a young boy. Those two movies I view as companion pieces. They're very similar in scope and in vibe and in even just like setting because they're both in Liverpool. Mm. And then Terrence Davies says, you know what? I did my Liverpool thing for 10 plus years. We're, we're going to expand. So in the 90s and 2000s, he just does a bunch of adaptations. He adapts a novel called Neon Bible, adapts one called The House of Mirth, adapts a play called The Deep Blue Sea starring Tom Hiddleston and Rachel Weisz. And somewhere in there, he also does like a city symphony for... Um, I forget if it's for London or for Liverpool, kind of like a collage film called Of Time in the City. And so then cool. um, another uh, novelistic film called Sunset Song, which is amazing. And then he ends his career on a really interesting note with this movie, A Quiet Passion, about a biopic about a poet, Emily Dickinson. Mm-hmm. So not an adaptation. Mm-hmm. And then a second biopic about a poet, Siegfried Sassoon. That guy's a British poet. And um, that movie came out two years ago it's brilliant i might pick it we'll see okay very similar actually i feel like that movie's called benediction it helped me figure out this movie even more um he's kind of known for being dreamy um he um grew up heavy catholic kind of strict catholic but was a homosexual or gay his whole life so he kind of had that constant tension which i think shows up in his work quite a bit Mm -hmm. the wrestle that commences with that and yeah he's very he he moves the camera very slow very still he's always very particular about his music choices Yeah. yeah um not much score a lot of old songs that he likes that are almost like old pastoral um kind of vibes but anyways yeah it's it's but until you see one of his movies it's hard to pin him down because he has a very unique voice that's what i would say about terrence davies cheers terrence 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 clink clink i got some on your pants clink clink that's okay um cool that was great Yeah, so uh, we can jump into talking about A Quiet Passion. I'll give a little brief rundown. Um, This movie follows the life of Emily Dickinson, Mm -hmm. um, a poet who lived from 1830 to 1880 something. Yeah, it was like 83 or something like that. 86. And it kind of just follows her life, starting briefly in her teens, maybe early 20s. And then um, jumps forward to probably in her 40s, 50s. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, deals with themes of um, what it's like to be a woman in 1800s, societal pressures there, Mm -hmm. Um, even uh, a single woman. um, So dealing with relationships, um, struggles with family and integrity and um, health. Health, yeah. Um, religion religion uh, religious piety mm-hmm. um probably like legalism and i'm sure that yeah. is a lot of what mr terrence probably felt and we could talk about that yeah um but yeah we can go around and get thoughts but it kind of just follows her life uh, scene by scene snippet by snippet there's no like exact plot no but you just kind of like follow her life in all these different situations and they have very um, 
really sharp dialogue. I don't know. I, I really <laughs> Unbelievable dialogue. Um, and yeah, they have, have great conversations um, that are, yeah. I don't want to say highbrow, but very philosophical and um, yeah. I, I think it's really great. But yeah, let's go around and get our thoughts. Let's just go around in a circle and start to my left with Sir Eric. Oh, thank you. Recently knighted. Yeah. Um, yeah, by the Queen. Uh, wait. No. Nope. Queen oh. himself. Queen Charles. There you go. Uh, yeah, didn't know what to think. Hadn't seen any of Terrence's films. Um, yeah, I really liked. I really liked the music piece. Um, really kind of had um, like some. Like it, the 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 song choices really had like Gettysburg vibes to me, um, which I mean makes sense. Civil War <laughs> takes place in this similar time. Uh, yeah, just this like kind of old timey sort of him, but also kind of just yeah, it's just very particular, and it's very like at one point in the film, I was like, this might be the most eighteen hundreds film ever made, <laughs> besides like. Like I, I think Gladiator. Er, Gladiator, my God, uh, get it? I think Gladiator. <laughs> Gladiator. Eighteen oh two. Yeah, the eighteen hundreds, right? BC. What about gods um, and generals? I was well. I was about to say Gettysburg, like smashed it out of the park for me. But like, I don't think I've seen a movie since that film that like really encapsulated what it like. I guess felt like during this time period. Um, I will say. I think some parts of the movie dragged for me, um, but I thought it was phenomenal. I thought um, I was very pleasantly surprised and I didn't know what to expect. Um, are you saying that most of his films kind of follow a similar vibe? Even if the mm. content isn't the same, it, like his like his filming style and... You said his music choices sometimes, and this is uh, definitely um, his latter two, especially are more dialogue heavy. Okay, yeah, like the the back and forth banterish yeah. kind of thing. The last two movies do that. The other ones not as much. Mm. I'll, well, I'll, some of them I take that back. I'll some finish, of them I'll finish by saying this. I, I went upstairs and 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 said Jordan was like, "How's the film?" And I was like, "It was sad." And she's like, "But you were laughing the whole time." <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I guess that wraps that up. Um, yeah, because it was very witty and, and very comical in, in many places. Um, very dry wit. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Jared? Hey, everyone, ladies and gentlemen. My passion for this movie is quiet as well. Very quiet because it's, quiet. But it's, it's amazing. It's a five-star masterpiece oh. um, for me. One of the best movies of the 2010s. Um, I remember seeing this the first time I'd, I saw the poster and it's like the shot of young Emily looking at the window and she's kind of bathed in light. I'm like, that's a dope shot. Like it's about Emily Dickinson. I'm like, I'm in. And I'm like, Terrence Davies, I think I'd seen maybe the long day closes and that's it by that point. And I was like, I loved that movie. <laughs> I'm in. It's like probably going to be all right. Like reviews are like, some like it, some, some are like, it's fine. And I remember just being like speechless walking out of the theater the first time went back again with my mother and then I think I watched it a third time not in the theater just at home because mm. um, I wanted to confirm that I wasn't like crazy because yeah I don't know what it is there's it's um 
the magic of the movies, there's a lot of elements that have to come together perfectly for this movie to work. Mm-hmm. That screenplay, the dialogue, um, the actors pulling it off, the colors, the way the camera moves at the right time and then it's still at the right time. It's like juggling all, you'd like just said like 20 themes at the beginning of the thing. It's like, how does one movie juggle this all and none of it rings untrue? I don't know. It's because you're in the hands of a master. Uh, Yeah, we laugh a lot because it's so freaking funny. Um, And I think he said it's his most autobiographical film, which is funny to me because his earlier movies are literally, like the one movie is literally autobiographical. But I think it's... um, And this is literally about someone else's life. I know. Like, really, Terrence? But I think Uh, I know what he means in his old age, especially after seeing Benediction, just the things he wrestled with that he connects with Emily with that I am in a very different situation than Terrence Davies is. But in Emily Dickinson's case, I'm like, I get this. Maybe not to the extreme emotional states that she gets to, but I'm like, I get that wrestle with wanting to be a rebel and mm-hmm. want, and having to figure out anyways, we'll talk about those later, but yeah, I can't Holding on to your individuality. Yeah. And, and we'll know. talk about favorite shots later, but there's like 10 in oh, here yeah. that I'm just like, Jeez. this is, yeah. What do I choose from? Um, yeah. 10 out of 10, five out of five stars, quiet passion. Go see it. One of the most underrated movies of the last 10 years. Easily 10 out of 10 for filming. Like, yeah. When I think about that, like you said, it's just like, Ugh, Rolodex of shots, dude. Rolodex. It's so good. Yeah, sorry. Cody Martin. Cody. Cody. Uh, it was, it was good. It was, it was interesting and different than a lot of movies. Mm. I started off the movie thinking that like the cinematography and the pacing was just lingering. Mm-hmm. And then as the movie went on, I feel like it became like brutal uh, and unrelenting. Yeah. And the vibe followed it, the mood. Um, yeah. And there were just, like I said, there were just some brutal shots in this mm. for the camera just lingers on some very hard things. And yeah, at first it kind of seemed pastoral and like dreamy kind of, Mm. look at this kind of whimsical time in America and then it kind of turns halfway through the movie and it's like what despair what darkness what pain there is which does follow a lot of Emily Dickinson's Mm. writings as well I've read a decent amount of her stuff in school oh wow um I don't think I have not like a huge not like everything but I've I have a couple favorites from her and um mm. he captured the way that she wrote and all of the characters speak in the way that she wrote so mm. and despair was brought up a, a few times yeah. in like con- not even in her poetry but in conversation yeah. you know yep. it's like oh despair and yeah so yeah this is a I would say this is a spiritual prequel to melancholia <laughs> She did say melancholia yeah, in this, she in did. this movie. She Her did mom. say it. Yes, but that was a medical term for depression. Uh, I also think it influenced Phantom Thread. But let's go. Like, like, pull that thread, please. <laughs> well, maybe I, later. Yeah, pacing, cinematography, all of it. Oh, okay, yeah, right. So, right. yeah, there's some, there's some similarities. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah I really like this. Um, mm. Yeah, I like 
the uh, maybe it's like the last 30 minutes but there's a turn where it just gets really kind of somber and almost is it when death just looms over the whole I don't third yeah act, I don't know third act. but like somehow that was my favorite portion of the movie the third act is yeah. your favorite interesting yeah I just it, that's the part like the dialogue and throughout the whole like you know first um you know three-fourths really like you know grabs you and it's funny and it's entertaining but they had that last like third probably yeah just really just yeah did you notice like at that last bit I, I had this thought where it was like wow we haven't had any like witty dialogue yeah yeah in a in a, yeah. in a while but there was something you know and like an increase in poems yeah yeah yeah, yeah there was yeah, something yeah. weirdly cozy about it to me though because you're a melancholic maybe yeah. <laughs> it was no, just kind of like dark in the house yeah. and fire was going and it felt like yeah. um you know setting wise felt cozy while also all this i think horrible. he's I got think, cozy vibes yeah. in his filmography well yeah. and i think that's intentional too that i think as he's exploring despair i think hmm. you see a like slide into resignation hmm. And that's what I think happens. I I thought like I got cozy, but I also got like this movie could be easily recut into a horror movie, <laughs> like easily. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Different like, music, change, change well, the music, change, change the, the music. Vibes. Yeah. Well, some of the music, yeah. um, <laughs> all the music. But the, like, there are a lot of shots. Like you said, like I think it captured the like darkness of like back then you know before we had electric lights everywhere and stuff yeah. like they didn't light it. it you could tell it wasn't lit like you know a movie yeah. stage it was lit fairly naturally from what i could tell yeah 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 you know you get you get little women vibes from it I, at least i did for sure just you know it's same that. time period yeah Definitely. same same time period i think still dealing with the same struggles of like wanting this independence but being a woman then like your independence is always kind of tied to it's not proper like, you know, if, you're, if you're married yeah it's it's not proper and yeah. are you married and that's kind of where your worth is but you want to be independent but also like you want to be loved and so yeah hmm. i think uh you kind of get that vibe there a lot because i think emily wanted to be loved but also wanted to be loved hmm. be, to, to be loved not because to be she, she wanted know, appreciation she, and to be loved, I think she wanted all sorts of recognition for herself, for her writing, yeah. Um, and she didn't get any of it, yeah. You know, and I, and I don't know much about Emily Dickinson. Do you guys? I like you. You don't feel like you know her like, better after this. Well, now I do, but right. like before this movie, I was like, couldn't, no, couldn't no. tell you much about Emily Dickinson. S- know the name? No, she's a poet. And I don't think I read her in high school either. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, couldn't, yeah, couldn't, couldn't say. So there are a lot of themes in this movie, as we discussed. Was there any theme that kind of stuck out more than another for you guys? Jared's already alluded to, to some, so he might have some locked and loaded and ready to go. But well, I've got like 10 locked and loaded, yeah. but I want to see what these guys say first. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like which one do I choose from? Because there's definitely like, like a heavy fog of like depression and sadness and despair, um, faith versus religion. Which two one do you think uh, uh, hit you the most, or you relate to the most, and we'll we'll explore that. Um, ooh, this could be in, intense, but um, I think I really resonated with Emily's 
rejection or kind of rebellion against um, coloring in the lines. Hmm. Either, either. I mean, we first kind of see that with religion. It's like, hey, are you coming to church? And it's he's like the like, first thing in the movie. <laughs> nope, God knows me. Oh, oh, that scene. Yes, yeah. for sure, for sure. The first, the very first scene. Um, but I'm, but even when she's in her. 30s 40s mm-hmm. um and she's talking with her dad and she's like no god knows who i am and you know that's good enough and you know all this other stuff it, it it's it has like deep kind of like i don't know if it has like deconstruction vibes but it's just like it it has some very intentional kind of themes with somebody who is um in rebellion against religion and uh, rules um, that religion gives instead of the freedom that Christ gives. Um, and that was pretty common back then. It was very kind of rule-oriented oriented and um, things you say, things you don't say, things you do, things you don't do, um, all this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I resonated pretty heavily with her kind of overview of what her relationship to God was um, versus how everyone said that she should be. Yeah. It's interesting. The things that um, I feel like almost everything she rejects, I like give an amen to as a Christian. Like she rejects um, right away the teacher who's like, separate yourselves into the good and the bad. If you're going to heaven, go over there. If you're not sure, go over there. It's like, that's an unhealthy exercise. There's no gray. Yeah, that's There's like, no gray. that doesn't, yeah. it's like forceful. And then the pastor who's like, um, you need to humble yourself. So you need to kneel when you pray. And so the family kneels and Emily Dickinson's just like, I'm not going to fricking kneel. Just because you told me to, you manipulating spiritual whatever. Yeah. And she like kind of just sits there. And I'm like, yeah, Emily, I wouldn't kneel either. Good on you. But what about that conversation she has with her dad um, and, and, and talking about corporate church? But here's the thing. She likes church when the pastor's good. Isn't that like in the worship when the worship's good? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. But she has this conversation. She's like, are you coming to church? And yeah. she, she, she's like, her whole position is boiled down to kind of like, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I don't need to go to church for God to know that I'm, that I love him or that I kind of like appreciate And, and whether the movie he knows me. specifically comments on, I don't think it does specifically comment on her what dissoci- her dissociating from church does but it does directly comment on what her isolating from everyone else around her does mm-hmm. which i think can feed into that because at the end right um she becomes bitter because of it isolation as isolation you. does so it, it is interesting that like the but that's the one where i'm like she did reject that but then look where it led her where the other ones, it's like she's trying to keep her spiritual purity um, and not be coerced by these spiritual authorities that are telling her to do these things that are kind of not biblical. Yeah, showing you both sides. Yeah, that's I think why I like it because it's pretty. It's a pretty healthy understanding of like an unhealthy puritanism or legalism, and a healthy internal spirituality, and and trying to figure out how to 
balance those for her in a world where it's hard to figure out. Where I don't feel like I come from that world. I get why she would push back against it. Yeah, I feel like she was so adamant and like passionate about her own individuality, her desire to be like separate from people. Um it's like she she stood her ground on that, but then she'd have those moments of clarity with her sister saying like I've I've been so wicked. And like I'm I'm turning into a wicked person and I could feel how bitter I am. Yeah. And I could feel the poison kind of seeping in. Like only in moments of vulnerability with her sister. In these like moments of like deep kind of like grace where her sister is like, I still love you. And I still think that you have yeah, there's, value. There's a lot of grace. Is, is, which she, she even is she says, to right? See herself in in all of that. Which she even says, right? When they're like, "You need to give yourself to God," and she's like, "Hasn't He already given Himself to me?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, is it is it me earning this, or is it that God has been gracious to me in the first place? It's like that sums it up. But just her questioning that is like the, yeah. the guy is like, "How dare you say that? <laughs> yeah, How yeah. dare you?" <laughs> there wasn't. Like even space to ask the questions. Oh yeah, and, and no. to challenge things. And he, not as, at this time. Like <laughs> questioning. And I no no. <laughs> like I come from a little bit of a background where things were pr- a little pretty legalistic, almost oh, yeah. like borderline oh, Mennonite yeah. background that I grew up. Oh, in. Okay. So like AC baby. Yeah, AC. Uh, thankfully, I lived in a house with parents who allowed me to ask questions and, but like, I, I know just in that church context, there were a lot of times where it's like, this is just the way we do it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of rules and a lot of legalism and you just, you just do it. And if you ask questions, you kind of get a little like, I don't know people get annoyed when you ask questions. Yeah. Just to like, understand like, why do we do things? Like this? And so, um, yeah, I connected with that a bit too on like, I think I'm able to see I can dig deep enough and like understand why people think that way, but it is still like, why do we do things like this? And mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, There's still a danger in going on your own journey the whole way, you know, kind of like isolating yourself mm-hmm. to the point of, you know, you can, you know, as, as is popular term nowadays, like you can deconstruct everything, but the, objective is to reconstruct right don't isolate don't just deconstruct but reconstruct it into something where it's like community is good and you know being with people is good and you're not just kind of like removing yourself from from everything that that was toxic and bad there is some toxic stuff in in church culture but to not let that poison your own faith or a god who had nothing to do with that that was humanity um, that kind of makes Christianity look pretty ugly sometimes. Totally. Nice. Yeah, just her crying out at the end, when did the world get so ugly? I was Dude, that <laughs> that wrecks me. Dude. I think, I think she has a profound hunger for truth. And yeah. I think that drives a lot of this stuff that we're talking about. I think that leads to the status quo breaking it's it's i'm going to say what's true no matter if it kind of goes against decorum or politeness i'd rather be honest yeah there are so many people in the movie that are like 
how can you behave this way? Why do you behave this way? All of this stuff. And I think that she is like desiring truth. And I think that there is an aspect when she says like, when did the world become so ugly? I think most people who have lived life when they get to a certain age kind of have that thought. And there is, uh, there's truth in that. She yeah. does fall into bitterness and isolation, yeah. but there's truth in that. Like uh, all of the horrible things that happened to her happened, you know, and there is darkness and all of that. And so it, it led to both her brightest and her darkest moments in the movie was that like, just what is true? Like what is truly true? Like what is the core essence of why we do all, any of these things? Um, and that's why I think she's, despite being melancholic and especially like in contrast to like Kirsten Dunst in Melancholia, I mm -hmm. think Emily Dickinson in this movie is a far more empathetic character. Like you're, you're mm -hmm. way more endeared to her, mm -hmm. um, because you can see the truth and even some of the melancholia leading to truths and to honesty and things like that. So it's kind of a interesting double-edged sword in that regard. Yeah. I feel like you, you definitely empathize with her wanting to, especially if you've been around, um, environments that are so fake and so stifling and in her, and in her words, very suffocating, um, yeah. just her desire to just like scream or like disrupt or to just be honest it's 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 going to a party and asking deep questions to somebody who's asking who are you and where are you from and you tearing your hair out because you've answered that seven times it's like she wants to just peel away the bullshit and get down to what actually matters and like nobody is jumping on board with this <laughs> like she feels alone except for her best friend well although her best friend is on board with it but only to a point because she has right. that conversation with emily right before she gets married right she's like i like i agree with you like the truth you're trying to expose like i get it i'm in i like in full support of that but also like kind of got to keep that private like the world's not good to that you kind of have to conform and conform on the outside but in the inside you can rage and emily dickinson's like ah, i don't know if you can why yeah what do you mean i don't think you can do that it's hard it's not sustainable i yeah. think you will go crazy or you will isolate in that regard. Eventually, that turns into bitterness. Yeah, it, you'll turns either into bitterness. Yeah, you'll either actually like go crazy and lose your mind, or you'll feel so isolated that you will isolate yourself. Mm -hmm. I think she's she's ultimately saying like have your outlets, right? Like you can bitch with your 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 girls, you know, having tea, but like. Don't do that in front not of the not Don't do that in front of the men. But you can't or, when you're just having hot water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, like don't do that in front of the men or don't do that in public. But like we, we have avenues where we can kind of vent or, you know, have outlets, but like stay within the lines where you where you need to so that you're not a pariah, so that you're not, you know, a recluse, you know, who's just kind of like, you know, a mad person. Um 
So I think, yeah, I think she, her best, I think her friend was more connected to how the world works. And Dickinson was just like an alien. Right? Yeah, there, totally. There, there were times where she felt like a time traveler. <laughs> yeah. Like she, she, she was just dropped into the 1800s, but she's from the 60s or yeah. something. And it's just like, what's going on, guys? Like, how Come are you on. seeing all this? Like, mm. do you not like wake up? Like, how are you guys not seeing the world the way I'm seeing the world? Which I think made her so incredibly popular. Uh, just like Oppenheimer and late <laughs> late in life um, Poppy. I'm kind of wondering uh, what was her what does anyone know the history of her popularity uh, yeah I think this has a Van Gogh um, kind of yeah feeling. Haley Steinfeld played her in a show <laughs> and so then that's how she got really that's, yeah from Haley Steinfeld this how is based off of that dare movie. you <laughs> this is based off that TV yeah. show uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know how she is. She like a Van Gogh situation. That, that, that's somewhat, what it feels somewhat, like. Yeah, and that's what it feels. Like. But they, I don't know when she. They even had becoming. a line. They even had a line referencing it where she says something like, uh, "People's people whose art." Uh, wasn't popular while they were alive weren't worth like they're not worth remembering alive yeah. sort of thing um, and I think that is a reference a lot a lot of her writing like that article that her brother read yeah that was like Ooh. kind of dashing a lot of her and her peers at that time a lot of women that were kind of coming into this um, awakening. What are we talking? Uh, what, what's it called? Temperance. Feminism. Feminism. Well, yeah, but what what led into that? What was the oh suffrage? Suffrage. Suffrage. Yeah. suffrage. Yeah. Like you're you're leading into suffrage, and so a lot of these yeah. women are starting to write about the how, Brontes. How they feel about this stuff? I, it's, Why it's they, scandalous you know? Brontes? We're, we're, st- we're still like forty years from. Sure, but this is kind of the, but yeah. the runway no, into yeah. that. It's the and beginnings. so you can see that they're getting stuff published, but then they get ran through the mud. They get their stuff edited, things like that. And so she wasn't popular yeah. until after. And, and suffrage and the feminist movement was like probably what brought her into such a mainstream light. Right, they started being like, "Wow, this is this is someone who is ahead of their time." She is our goth queen. Who is yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who's just like she's speaking our language, and she's not a martyr, but like she's dead, and we can get behind this figure, um, and almost use it as an idea, as an i uh, and and give mm-hmm. it power that you know, someone who's alive probably couldn't. Yeah. Well, and taking like a spinster and turning her into a hero. Uh, yep. like, and like, yeah, I think that became mm-hmm. iconic of like, the she fact that she alone, never, she, yeah, and that's, so that's, that's a fair point yeah. as, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you think there is something to like the first person in the movie that she kind of like expressed like some sort of romantic interest in was the pastor yeah um because he was hot the hot priest you see those sideburns yeah man epic you hear him speaking about the angels around the throne i mean come on dude but i I don't know do you think do you think that contributes to like distrust of organized religion because she's rejected by the 
you know the highest in her i, I don't think that i, would I be didn't, it. I didn't no. see that but, okay. but i don't know um, I, I just thought i think she'd be I more from was, the other guy i just thought it was interesting that yeah um it's like oh weird she wants really but nothing i think to it do with. i think it shows how people do i mean same today they get fanatic about certain spiritual leaders mm-hmm. and then when those spiritual leaders aren't what they want them to be they Guys, I think it's, it, it crumbles them, you know, I think yeah. it's more obvious than that because this, this is a guy who gave her the first genuine yeah. admiration True. For, her, for her work, something she craved her whole life. And, like he's, the he look the, on, and he was a man. Like, he was a man. Like the look on her face when he's reading them when they're in the garden. She oh, just that, like, that oh. tight, that tight shot. Horror. She's just like you, like the tension of her. Like, what is he going to think about this? That was a lingering shot for sure. That it's just everything like to her. On her. Yeah. yeah, and she's like, I can't take it anymore. What do you think? And he's just like, This is incredible. Um, how much of this has actually been published? She's like yeah. seven or eleven. Oh, I can't remember. I can't I'm remember. Like, Those two numbers. And he's they like, rhyme. She was like crazy they prolific yeah. too. Like she has lots and lots of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think the, I think that I think that dealt a little bit more into why she liked him more. Right. Less. I think it. I don't know. There's probably some stuff in there with what you're talking about, but I think it had less to do with religion and more. A lot of the explicit stuff about it was just that he was handsome. Like yep. they re- multiple lines reference just she thought that he was beautiful and yeah, yeah. it was a, just a very physical <laughs> attraction followed up by that that um, acknowledgement and not to mention the fact that she probably thought herself far superior to, yeah. <laughs> to his wife who oh. is this Jeez. just the worst hollow shell of a woman <laughs> if a girl won't drink lemonade no well, thank what you what did she say <laughs> well uh, I'm glad I'm not Chinese I'm glad I'm not Chinese because they drink tea clip that <laughs> yeah 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 um, okay Chinese. so we spoke a little bit about her poems and throughout this movie yes. there are voiceovers of some of her poems where yeah. they're favorites of your guys's that were said or that you can remember off the top of your head i know it's hard to remember i have one it's it's like uh the one at the end is easily i think the one that i gravitated towards that's the most popular dickinson poem right um what's it about two roads diverged in a wood (laughs) (laughs) how dare you just itsy bitsy spider without knowing who said it I could Is that not. Robert Frost? Yeah. Are you doing Robert Frost? <laughs> what matters is what we do with the time. <laughs> because I could not uh, wait for death. Yes. Yeah, I mean, she's, death yeah, waited she's, for me. She's, being, she's narrating while they're carrying her, her, own, it's her, own, her own coffin. Funeral procession. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's very poignant. And I'm guessing she wrote it in the last moments of her life because it's very oddly speaking about... It's it's just almost as if she wrote it after being dead. You know what I mean? Like that's what it feels like. Yeah. So it's yeah. So I I'd be very curious to know what year month you know she wrote that poem because I would be shocked if it wasn't you know really close to her death, mm-hmm. unless she was just feeling melancholic and was like 
thinking about death because God knows this had a lot of death in this film, dude. There was a lot of people dying. I agree to be exact. Yeah, even in the Civil War, they put oh, the, yeah. the numbers up there. That's true. Um, yeah, that's true. I think with the real photos, the the one that affected me most the first time, probably because I was single at the time, was uh, the the looming man, like walking up the stairs uh, to yeah. push open the door I wanted like to that talk longing. about I wanted to talk about that whole scene we'll, we'll give that whole we'll give a yeah, whole we'll section to that because please. that thank you okay but yeah that for me like the first time I was like that was affecting <laughs> okay yeah yeah anyways yeah I don't remember one specifically from the movie I was hoping that my favorite one was in there I don't think it was but please I have it, I have it. read it oh, no. please read it read it please, please read it. Cody um it's called Tell All the Truth, But Tell It Slant. Mm. Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies, too bright for our infirm delight. The truth's superb surprise, as lightning to the children cased with explanation kind. The truth must dazzle gradually, or every man be blind. Ooh, wow. It's good. I love, love that. That's great. Caleb, did you have one? Uh, I had one. It was also about death, um, but it wasn't at the end. It was probably towards the middle where she says, The world is not conclusion. A sequel stands beyond. Invisible as music, but positive as sound. Yeah. And I really liked that. Mm. Not I, I conclusion like, in the sequel. That's sequel good. stands beyond. And like, yeah, invisible as music. I can't, you can't see music, but you can hear it. So positive and feel it. so good well I'm going to move back to Eric because he said he wanted to talk about that yes. whole that, yeah. there's a sequence in the movie If it's yes. okay for me to intro it Emily Please Dickinson do. right she's longing for love yep. um, from a man mm-hmm. like that kind of love and this guy shows up and he like is at the bottom of the stairs and she's at the top of the stairs, so she can't see him, but she's talking very to him. Very slow opening of the door. Yeah. And, and very lingering Oh, even before shot. that. Very lingering shot. Even before that, like, just rejecting the man that's downstairs that came to see her. Mm-hmm. That was the scene before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the door opens on her after she gives this poem about wanting this man to come up the stairs and open the door to her. And then it's like, yeah, this slow motion. Everything is slow. Everything is this very This really slow. like haunting, dreamy. Be- dreamy, beautiful song. Um, I wish I remembered what the lyrics to that song were. And just some of the like, I don't know how many shots there are in that. Maybe four? Oh, Like yeah. there's a shot of her and the yep. door opening to her. Yep. Then there's the shot of the man coming in. The, the door the, opening. Yep, the door opening. And, and it like, him coming in. Like pans over to these flowers. And then there's the overhead shot of the man coming up the stairs. And then the final shot. And of then the there's door a final shot closing. of her and the door closing. So it's four shots, probably three minutes. Oh, it was so long. And it's like entrancing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's, and it's very, um, it's very sensual. Like mm-hmm. the the look on her face, the kind of ecstasy that's on her face. She is is it's a very kind of like eighteen hundreds, like um, daydreamy. Yeah, no, it's a very eighteen hundreds sex dream. Let's just say it's that. an eighteen hundreds <laughs> because it's literally <laughs> like and it's Eric literally, was sweating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, no, yeah, because it was literally her just like this man, this mysterious man, and he comes into the house and he walks up the stairs and, oh man, this is, this is really, this is really intense. 
And then, and then it ends very interesting because she gets kind of sullen and the door shuts. And it's like, there's a lot, there's three door, there's two doors opening and one door shutting. Yeah. And in the, it's very, it's very appropriate that like the doors opening are in the middle, in the, in the beginning. And then the door is a metaphorical shutting on her yeah. on her romantic life like yeah. this will never happen for you do you think that's her and she believes it. it do you think that's her like she believes it too almost incepting yeah herself uh, no like, no it's a self-fulfilling it's, prophecy yeah, yeah i'm because closing the, the door for myself she has the conversation with her sister near the end of the movie where she's like i'm ugly i mean this, uh, she I'm par- repeats I'm that multiple times about how she thinks she's ugly oh, she deprecates yeah. herself so much yep and uh, the, the guy that was there before that sequence was there to meet her because he likes her poems yeah and so like it's like there was but a guy right there but is she yeah. but so she said every time somebody gets close, close to, to me it's suffocating like every she was saying she was saying like why do you act this way he was here for you basically and she's like every time somebody gets close it feels suffocating. What does she say when she looks into the mirror? Oh, she's oh, that, like, you that, wretched beast or yeah, something. That, just, uh, like, oh, when man. will you ever achieve it's anything? Like you, she turns and looks and says, you wretched beast, and the camera pans, and it's a mirror. Oh, she's like yep. saying it to herself. She's like, when will you achieve anything? Yep. And it's just like, oh, God just almighty. Breaks your heart. But I find it very interesting in that sequence, too, that she's sitting upstairs in her room, yes. and the man comes up to her, and she's not willing to go down to the man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it shows him going up the stairs, and then the next shot is is her and her expressions changing, and the door slowly shutting. So it's almost like she's saying, "Like I'm not worthy. I'm not even worthy of my fantasy," mm-hmm. <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> she's not even allowing herself to believe that she's worth it mm. to be to be desired or to be loved. Well, and that's probably a, I think that is likely a byproduct of purity culture, especially in this <laughs> At <its> intensity. <laughs> she read, I kiss dating goodbye. How dare you, Josh? How yeah. dare you? Because How dare you, Josh? Everything at that time and even in purity culture today is about... Um, Sex is bad. Yeah, it's all about repression and... Yep. Uh, you know, discipline and all of these things, and fantasy is a negative. It's fantasy a, leads to sin. Yeah, things like that. But like, there's some developing like school of thought in this in Christianity of like you should embrace your fantasy. You should not necessarily live out whatever your heart desires, but right. when you do fantasize about things or or whatnot, you should allow yourself to and figure out what that's saying about you. What are you desiring? And then you can then internalize that and yeah. actualize it. I think that's very Jay Stringer or Stinger. Yeah. He, he yeah, yeah, yeah. Un- he, unwanted. yeah he's, he's one of those people. Yeah. He, 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 so, I mean, specifically quoted bull said that, that yeah. it's like you kind of, there's this embracing that you do mm-hmm. instead of this rejecting. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much like you embrace to do you embrace to understand. Yeah. So it's so it's very controversial when when he kind of brings that stuff up because it's totally. like no we don't embrace this bad stuff and he's like no you don't engage mm-hmm. you just sit down with it and have a conversation yeah and it's yeah. like oof that's very yeah. different it's, it's very different it's saying to 
to look at your warning lights yeah. and diagnose the problem instead of yeah. just rewiring things so that the lights don't come on anymore. No, I love yeah, the Yeah, like that the brother. Counter. Like the yeah. brother, you know what I mean? What yep. yeah. Freaking Austin. Dude, the... Freaking the, Danny Doorknob. The rating? He's a doorknob. The, like, adult content rating of this movie is from the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, talk about it. Because it said PG-13, yeah. and it Why? said for, like, language and, like, sexually explicit content. And, and it violence. Was, and violence, which may have been the seizures. And I yeah, I'm see, sure that's... I could see that, rating that, it. That yeah. makes sense. I, I could see rating That's not PG. Stuff. Like, but I'm the, not showing my kids that. Yeah. That's too oh, hard to look at. Yeah. That is but the sexually explicit content like I almost burst out laughing. It's like the one woman talking scene. about how it's hard for her to have sex. Yep. And then it's the one brother kissing the girl. They talked, about, the girl. A, they talked about a venereal disease. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And all no. they did was like roll on a sofa. And yeah. that was it. it was like, <laughs> PG-13 for abusive, emotionally abusive brother. Uh, <laughs> well, we PG-13 just... for too much ankle. <laughs> we just talked too about... Too much uh, ankle. Yeah. We just that talked about bone. a pretty affecting scene. Um, curious if, oh. if we have any more favorite shots um, or favorite scenes that, that stood out to you guys. Can I say an early one? Sure. Please. From the movie. Um, they're all still pretty young. Yeah. It's the circle shot. Dude. Oh, man. I love that. Shot in the family room, dude. That's one of my few. Oh, it's God, so good. it's so good. It is Explain so, it. What happened? So good well they're all in their iphones and no one's paying attention <laughs> yeah. to anybody uh, Living in the, the moment you did the book the 1800 no, version of the iphone or you're crocheting <laughs> they're like they do a circle shot and like everybody's reading and i was just like this is everybody on their phones <laughs> um no but it's like it's nighttime it's nine o'clock to be the exact. fire Oh, it's yeah, nine o'clock on clock? a Saturday. The clock dings nine times. Oh, the clock dings How? twice. You, you possibly nine? know that it, it dings. It dings. Uh, it does it twice in the movie, and both times it was nine o'clock. Somebody throw. You a box really of, counted that. Somebody yeah. throw a box Whoa, of matches. When was the other time? What did um, we say? Somebody throw know, a box of matches on the ground and see the other <laughs> evening time. But I was just curious. I'm fascinated. That's very interesting that you picked up on oh, that. I did not notice that at all. 28 matches. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. There's 450 actually. That'll be your stepping out party of them. Rain man. Uh, Rain no. man. So yeah, no. So they're doing a circle shot. It's dark. There's like a fire crackling. They're they're definitely focusing on each person, but then when it's not a person, they're focusing on. There's like this table and there's like something on it and they're focusing on I think they focused on the uh, the current red yeah. wine um, because the scene before they they were starting to drink some red wine. And so I, I see this as kind of like they've had a few glasses. They're kind of tired. They're sitting around a fire. Uh, half of the people are reading. One of the sisters is crocheting. Uh, I, can't, I, don't know, I can't remember what Emily is doing. Well, she's reading it first, but when it comes back... But when around, it comes back to her, she looks sad. Yeah. She's about to cry. Yeah, like she yeah. looked like she was about to cry. And I, totally. And I couldn't really figure that out. But then but then it, sh the mom asked her to play the piano, and she plays this... She like, plays oh, Abide With Me, and I, oh, I loved that. Abide With Me. Yes. So, I don't know if that's why I love it's this scene. It's so good. I love that hymn. It's so, so good. And she she recollects. I mean, this this is so telling. Now now that I'm like recollecting it from the from the first part of the movie, having having seen what happens to her and what she says, the mom, what she says throughout like the movie, which is like uh, feelings of like 
an unfulfilled life, basically. Like, I think the I, mom's probably just got depression in, mm. in general. Yeah, but she also feels like she didn't live her life. Like, yeah. she was just doing her duty and whatever. So, but so, so they're all sitting around the fire. She starts playing this song, and the mom is like, oh, this song reminds me of this boy... Ah, oh, he was a beautiful boy, and he he played this. He sang this song so beautifully, and he sang it like an angel. And and then she gets like super sad and starts crying. And she's like, "He died. He, you know, he didn't live long. He died at 19." And I'm just like, I'm thinking like, dude, is she like thinking like like regrets? Like this was mm. a beautiful boy from my chi- from from my childhood uh maybe my young adolescence or my you know my adolescence and just kind of like re- reflecting on a life she could have had or like the beauty of life and and just kind of like this really sad moment while also being like kind of a happy nostalgic moment all kind of like wrapped into one and I was just like dude this is layered mm. like but it only it only really kind of feels that way after watching the whole movie in the moment you don't really think that but like later in the movie she starts talking about I don't know just kind of yeah she's depressed and just longing for something longing, when she sees the longing sunset is a great yeah. word for that the longing. shadows extend the shadows lengthen and She's like, man, yeah, I'm just yeah. filled with something that I can't. So when I think back on that, that's what I think. I, it could be wrong, but like, I don't know. Just that whole shot was just so beautiful and everyone's just kind of sleepy slash like peaceful. And then, yeah, that music was just so perfect. Beautiful. Oh, it was such a good version. Of it. And yeah, it felt very kind of 1800s. The, mm. the and it, Yeah, I just love that shot, dude. Brilliant. Brilliant Cody, shot. you got a favorite shot? I think my, I think the best shot and my favorite was the double exposure of the handsome past. Dang man, you guys are taking all mine. Um, what? Oh, like, on the yeah. window, on the window, on the window. At first, it looks like a glare. Oh yeah. my bonkers! God. When he's actually giving his sermon, he's giving the sermon that they're talking about later. But in, in Jared talking about this guy being described and known for dreaminess, that was like peak. Oh, dream. He was like an sequence. angel. Yeah, he was like an ethereal presence. Yeah. And yeah. and what a like daydream too. Like you, it, the the trope is like staring out a window. And you don't even see her in that scene, but it's shot from indoors looking out a window and it's almost like you're experiencing what she's experiencing, recollecting this, this sermon. And it's just a great shot. Great storytelling from that regard. Um, the pastor is like speaking and he's like his torso is like outlined by the edges of the drapes, these white drapes. Dude. Yes. It was the drapes look like his cloth. Yeah. Like, like the cloth, like a man on yeah. the cloth, like the stuff that he wears yep. the drapes looked like what he was wearing. Yeah. So and, good. I remember having that thought. I was like, yeah. wow, that looks like his clothing. Yeah. And it's, and it's awesome oh, because you know, it's double exposure. The, the film grain and everything, the film on this movie was fantastic. So that was my favorite. Nice. Uh, Caleb, yeah, that was Caleb Zier. Good, that was get, you got shot. one? Yeah. Um, Loved it. One that I really liked, I think, just um, compositionally, there's a lot of things done with the camera that highlight Emily's isolation. And one of them is her friend's wedding oh. when everyone 
walks Oof. out. You know, you see her walking out. It's middle of the aisle, and then the camera, um, it doesn't pan. It um, kind of dollies over to the left um, to Emily and her sister, and mm. her sister kind of files out with everyone, and then it's just Emily sitting there in the pews alone, looking at the altar. Mm. And she's alone. And her best mm. friend just got married off. I don't know if you noticed, because I noticed this on this shot um, for the first time. Like, the camera goes over, it lowers. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the pews and the way yes. they look, like, there's lines of black and white in yes. between. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then, like, as it lowers, like, it's black and white from her to us, like, if we're looking at her. Yeah. But then from her to the front to where the marriage ceremony is, all those black line pews, like... Mm -hmm. line up so it's all black so it's mm -hmm. like the marriage is death oh interesting yep. i was like that is like i don't know if that's what he meant but if it is that's like the most brilliant well, it, thing i've ever seen yeah it harkens back to a line she said to yeah. her friend damn it uh, i was just about to say yeah, that yeah that go she, ahead she said that like yeah. Losing a friend to death is truly the saddest thing, but like right behind that is losing a friend to marriage. But marriage is very similar yeah. or something. Yeah, dude, it, yeah. I was about to bring that up because it was just like, that's so poignant to what, to what's going it's on. It's crazy. It's absolutely, she, she's getting married. She's like, no tears, no tears. And if you notice right They're before she goes off screen, yeah. yeah, she's bawling her eyes out. Yeah. She just kind of like loses it and then goes off screen and it's just like and then there's no mu there's no processional music there's no nothing and it's just like she's just sitting there in silence and you're just like ooh that felt like a funeral yeah <laughs> also, that felt like a funeral that was, also, that was weird such a good line from her friend of never play happy music at a wedding you don't want to give the wrong impression yes <laughs> such a good line so good. but i mean like no wonder though i think i think you're right jared like i think that that is probably what he's saying with that shot and guessing in what we just talked about with the mother like yeah, yeah. do you yeah. notice both of her daughters didn't get married like yeah. Yeah. no wonder like and just kind of what women were seeing at that time. I know like in our society right now, like there's this big like polarization and it's like have a bunch of kids and this is like what you need to do and all this stuff. And then there's people who are like, I'm never having kids and I don't want like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not just a birthing machine and like all this stuff yeah. and like, yeah. And you can see where that pendulum swing comes from. Yes. Because when you grow up and your mom feels like she just threw an entire life away, even though she loves you and wants mm -hmm. to be with you, mm -hmm. she's so sad about her own life. And so like detached, it's like, yeah, it was like, no wonder she, they're going to be sad about marriage and see yeah. it as death. I think the mom was on her bed or something and she was like talking about her life and those sentiments. And then I think one of the daughters was like, or no, she's, someone said something and the mom was like, no, but you daughters are kind of like my reason, you know, and, and, and you're my joy and yep. yeah, you're worth it. You're, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just, you know, it kind of, and and don't think you have less you value hear. just because I have postpartum depression, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 basically, yeah. it's how the modern day. But would that's say. what you hear. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of a modern sentiment. It's just kind of like, 
yo, parenting sucks and it's so hard and man, it blows. But like, oh, the joy you get from like your kids and like legacy and all this other stuff. Like you hear those sentiments. It's like that dichot- yeah. that dichotomy. But of, both of can the good be and true bad. at the same time. Both can be true. Yeah, absolutely. I want to shout out uh, for my shot a couple things before I get to one. I mean, first off, like the aging faith changes. Oh, it's like right. holy crap! How is that no one's favorite yeah, shot? For, I, don't know. I mean, it is mine. Blew my mind. It is mine. But I want to talk about one that I noticed this time oh, for the first gosh. time. And like, obviously, Emily Dickinson smashing that plate is. Oh, <laughs> so good. All time funny. <laughs> this plate it's, is dirty. Smash! Not dirty anymore, is it? <laughs> that he just was smashes it. So good, <laughs> and he just doesn't react. He's just like, huh? <laughs> but um, I want to point so out good. a series of shots. There's two conversations that Emily and her friend Miss Buffett, Miss Buffett, Buffy, sure. Miss sure. Buffett, Buffett yeah. they have in a garden, and yes. um, they sit by this tree surrounded by flowers. Mm-hmm. And the first time they sat down, I was watching this. Like it's them following a walk. I'm like, huh? He's like changing to like close-ups on each of them. And the close-up of Miss Buffy was like facing the woods in the wild. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of at an odd angle. And then Emily Dickinson is uh, the, the background, or she's not facing it, sorry. The background of her is the wild. And the background of Emily Dickinson is the house. The house, yeah. And I think in that instance, Emily Dickinson's looking on her and she's mm-hmm. feeling like she's cooped up and kind of docile and conformist. And this lady's like opening up her world and she's wild. And then later... Um, they're walking in the garden to have a conversation and they switch chairs and he uses the same shot mm. except this time Emily Dickinson is in background by wild mm-hmm. and Miss Buffy's background mm-hmm. by house and that's when Miss Buffy Buffett says like you need to th- what we talked about earlier yeah, you need yeah, to yeah. be docile on the outside and conform on the outside but on the inside you can let that You're rain yeah. and Emily's on the other side with the wild behind her like what? No, what? What? It's like I thought we were wild. I thought, I thought we were I thought you were wild. I thought we were wild, wild over here, yeah. And I'm like, man, that is just so smart. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah, I know I didn't notice it my first three watches. I'm like, man, that's brilliant. Yeah, in that in that same scene. I think that, that's what he's doing. I could be wrong. In that same first scene, she's yeah, she's talking about how like my family is all I need. Yeah. So that think, is what she says, right? I, I don't I, need to get married because yeah, I have yeah. my I love my family. I love my family and my family is all I need. Mm. And that's all I'll ever i'll ever need and i think that was also wrapped up in the house metaphor yeah totally um because that's the house yeah the family um but yeah you're right and then in that first conversation they're kind of like sisters like we're gonna let's let's be in each other's lives forever like that's the vibe and then yeah the second conversation is like wait what happened (laughs) i thought we were like on the same page like what what happened to you and i think that that was so telling in the in the chapel where she's just like no tears and then just starts crying yeah because she's just as she's leaving because she's just like oh wow i i effed up here didn't i <laughs> like in Big my time. in my original kind of sentiments right. um i wanted to be this free independent woman and now i've kind of um bought into this security yeah this kind of which uh, i feel safe, now that safety. i've turned 30 i get that i like i i understand that it's like oh Am I losing this? Am I losing my rebelliousness? Am I losing my independence? Right. It's kind of like, oh, bachelor life so great and independence rules. And then, yeah, you're, yeah. And then it like switches and then yeah. it's like, oh, that's interesting and different. And yeah, it's very. And she settled too. 
she even like when yeah. she was talking about the guy she's like yeah he kind of has a sense of humor like all this <laughs> stuff like totally like not a it was such a like security play yeah and you could tell that it was that and you could tell that that's why she's and they so, had a whole conversation about it, it was like yeah. yeah if he doesn't work out i'll i'll have him silently killed yeah, yeah. uh yep. from al- algebraic prob- problematic things or something because uh, yeah. he's a mathematician but it was just yeah. like it was a joke but it was just like yeah if it, but yeah it yeah it was it's so interesting where there's just like you're just going with this guy just to go with this guy like what's what's the deal here mm. um but that was the narrative of the of women of that time it was like and, and we know this from so many like jane austen novels where it's like get married because then you'll be you know you'll be set secure. you'll be set with this yeah, guy it's man. secure and that was the narrative it was like you you want to be a spinster uh you'll have seizures for the rest of your life that's that's basically oh what, yeah man that's brutal <laughs> well, dude those the third the third insane. act that you like so much is brutal dude, it is. It is. i was brutal. like Hard. i can't think of like is there another oh, movie that makes gosh. me like stare at dying this long yeah like yeah, i feel like i'm just staring at like the slow yes throws, the death throws and stuff oh dude, my god that, that's 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 what you were talking about where it was like we were eventually yes. having to look at the brutality. Yeah. And and I, I remember sitting there being like, yeah. yo, was, I like I like this movie, but this sucks. Yeah. No, it's hard. This sucks. Yeah, the first the first time she <laughs> what has a is seizure, happening? The first you're seizure. Expect, oh. You're expecting it to cut every time. She's on the floor. She's she just oh. this is her first seizure that you're seeing. And you're expecting it to cut, you're expecting it to cut, you're expecting it to cut. It cuts, and then she's in her bed, having a larger, more violent one. And it, it it's got to be like a minute and a half, minute, minute and a half, sure. which is a hand. long time. It's to probably shake. shorter, but it's it probably feels shorter, like that. But, but that I think, like I think, uh, I wasn't on the the men episode, right? Yeah, right. But yeah. that was something that I, and maybe this is playing into like the horror vibes I got from this mm-hmm. movie of like the the crazy thing about men as a horror movie is how long the camera lingers on the stuff instead of doing jump scares and quick cuts and all these things especially that last part of man you know what i mean well even like him walking (laughs) from a field all the way away that was a very similar feeling to like having to watch someone give their last breaths or go through an entire seizure like yeah that's that was definitely where for me it was like this isn't like lackadaisical and lingering this is this is unrelenting like this is just dude we saw we saw a scene where a son said his last words to his mom and his mom choked out something and then died Mm -hmm. (laughs) like we watched that and then and it didn't cut and then it stayed with the two girls as they cried over their dead mom having just died let's shout out the acting in this movie because i don't know how they did that and not not like a bunch of what people who became like super famous a-listers either now Cynthia no, Nixon's I, probably the A-lister because she's yes. in Sex in the City, but yes, and um, yep. one of the ladies is in Ted Lasso. Yeah, and the dad is actually the dad's in a bunch of stuff. He's in, David Carradine. He's, he's can we talk about the dad? The can we, I know we got to end this, but can we talk about the dad for a second? Because the dad is the perfect example. This is why I love Terrence Davies. The perfect example of a man 
who is caught in the beliefs of his own time, but is still like, like, man, he's a good guy. And I like that guy. You know what I mean? He's Mm -hmm. he's like kind of deconstructing himself a little bit. Yeah. You know what he's doing? He's basically living out the, the mantra of, um, Emily's friend. Mm hmm. Yeah. He's, he's on the outside when they're at the opera, he's bashing women. He's like, I don't think women should be doing operas or singing. I think it's unseemly. But he's so good to his daughters. But then, but then not too far after that, his daughter's like, hey, can I write some poetry at night? And he's like, of course you can. And she's like, and also, can you and tell you're the like, guy? Is this the same guy? And, and then she's like, that guy you know who runs a paper, can I send him some poems? And he's like, yeah. He's like, oh, the, the paper that lets yeah. you do poems? Of course, I'll reach out to him. And you're well, like, this feels weird. And you're like, he's in the comfort of his own home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's such a great character because it shows that struggle. Like, they establish him as an abolitionist. Yes. But he's so tied to his son that he won't let him go fight <laughs> in the Civil War. And so, like, yep. there's so many, like... Well, and yeah, he, you see these great conversations of him being like, well, I want my, the, the, my kids to be, you know, free thinking and all this stuff. And I want you to write, like, if you want to write at night, go for it. And then there's a later scene where he's yelling at her for, cause it was in public because it was in public and he was, was publicly was, shaming yep. his friends. Yep. And he was like, you do not do this in public do this in our home fine but like and they were in their home but it was like you don't do this to people in public like and yeah he like reprimanded her Mm -hmm. and you could kind of tell in that scene that he didn't really enjoy doing it yeah like he was just like good night and like we've talked about it that's all that we needed to do we just talked about it Anyways, I just wanted to shout out David Curdy. Yeah. Di- Emily Dickinson's dad's a good guy. We've been going for a long time, so yeah, we, have. We, we missed a lot of stuff. Just go and watch it. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's so much more that we haven't talked about. Yeah. Oh, my god! So uh, that was our first Terrence Davies. Who's next? Uh, it's either that, Cody Eric, or Eric. Uh, one of you no, guys. I think it's usually you. Is it, it usually me? After Caleb? I think you're right. I think No, no, no. I think you're right. It is. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see what you pick, Eric. I don't know. I don't really know how we rotate, so... I'm going to have to check out his oeuvre. Sounds good. Okay, guys. All right. Thanks for joining us on this crazy conversation. Everyone go watch Terrence Davis movies. Everyone go watch a How to Get Better. Embrace the disparity. Oh, Oh, that was good. good. The cinematography is great. What can I say? Haunting in Venice, baby. Cool. All right. Hey, see you guys. Love you all. Love you. I love you. I love you. I love you.